you don't get smaller than a a film like this, budget-wise, crew-wise, resources-wise. But when you have a bunch of very passionate, talented um, actors in particular and uh, other artists around who just rallied to the cause because they they all believe in each other, they love each other, believe in each other, and that if we all get together and do something like this, that despite the incredible odds, it can get a distributor, it can premiere at the Austin Film Festival, and, you know, maybe in April, you and your family can turn it on in the living room and all enjoy it together. Welcome to the Foxy Mama Podcast, where creativity meets parenthood. I'm your host, Lindsay Brace, and each week we'll explore the world of creative entrepreneurship and business through the lens of motherhood. Join us as we chat with inspiring mamas and parents sharing their stories, insights, and the art of balancing it all. Whether you're an artist, entrepreneur, or just navigating parenthood, this is your space to find inspiration, helpful tips, and support. Now let's get Foxy Mama. I'm Lindsay Brace, host of the Foxy Mama podcast, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest, Ward Roberts, creative entrepreneur, filmmaker extraordinaire, actor, parent, um, just creative mind. Uh, how you doing, Ward? I'm doing very well. Happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. Um, I was so excited when I saw the trailer for a new film that you have out. And I was like, you have to come on my podcast and talk about it. Um, because so many factors. So let's just dive right in to it. Great. Tell us about it. Uh, invaders from Proxima B is the name of the film. It took me a while to come up with it, but I like it. I'm happy with it. Uh, five years in the making. It all started with, uh, Originally, a puppet I ordered off Etsy to play with my young children with. And then one night, we were doing just that. We'd moved into our our new home, our first home of home ownership, probably our last one. And I was like, well, I've got a location. What if we had like an alien crash at this house and then we just had to deal with the fallout? And so instead of just doing a straight up puppet, I hit up my good buddy, Tom Devlin, who had been working in animatronics along with his great work in creature effects for many years. And he built us a puppet and rallied together our our family of creatives that we've been making features and shorts and music videos and whatever else over the last couple of decades, really going back to, to college and early LA days. And over the course of one hellish month, and our house, we got most of it shot in 2018. We did some pickups and reshoots in 2019. Um, I thought with the pandemic, it would be a great time to get it through post. But when you have very little money and people like composers and animators and visual effects people, all components of which we had in this film, are very busy with with other projects that are paying them much better, you wait and wait and wait and wait. So it took over two years to get it through post. And, um, then finally this year we, we went with a sales agent, we found a distributor and much to our pleasant surprise, we were accepted into the Austin film festival to have our world premiere. Um, in the meantime, a buddy had cut that trailer cause I'd done a teaser. I forget how he saw it. I kind of put it out there. I think when we did a cast and crew screening and he's like, let me get you a, a real trailer. Chris Litton is his name. And you know, 
he basically gave it to me as you saw it. And I was like, well, I mean, for anybody who's attempted to cut a trailer, it's such a separate art form. Um, and he's brilliant at it. And so, yeah. And, you know, it's that and the poster, the number one marketing tools for, for mm-hmm. any film, but especially an indie film. And um, we we unleashed that upon the world a couple of weeks ago, and the response has been very positive. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad it got you intrigued enough to ask me onto oh. the podcast. Yeah, I'm like, where can I watch this? I can't. Like, one, I love puppets. I I think it's like you know spawned it as such. I mean, Jim Henson. I was I'm a huge Fraggle Rocker since I was. I am a huge Fraggle Rock. Just. Two days ago, we're in the car coming back from my mother-in-law's and like, I'm like, oh, you know, my, my son is crying. He's only eight months old. I put on Fraggle Rock and he's just like zoned. Not that I do a lot of screen time, but movies are definitely a part. Movies, television, film is definitely a part of my life. And I want to make that part of my son's life as well. Totally. Um, yeah. And he's just like, I mean, we play with puppets and just when I saw this and I'm like laughing at the trailer, fell in love with it. And I'm like, I can't wait to see this film. So what's next? I mean, you guys were at Austin film festival. Mm-hmm. What else do you have like on the plate as far as like screening goes, or do you plan like, uh, how are you releasing it? So, um, not really today, but mostly today. My goal is after we're done with this is to deliver the film to the mm-hmm. distributor, which is an arduous process with lots of paperwork and technical specs and a bunch of stuff nobody wants to do, but you have to do for them to be able to turn around and sell it to all the different streaming platforms. So I'll hand that all off to them in its entirety, certainly by the end of the month. And then, uh, their estimate on when it will be released in the different windows. Cause at first it's sort of like pay-per-view, uh, you know, pay paper, um, you know, you buy it off of spectrum or whatever. Then it goes to rental viewing where it's three ninety nine on Amazon or iTunes. Then it goes to streaming VOD where if you have Amazon prime or Netflix, you can just stream it. Then it goes to, to the commercial window on a Tubi or something like that, where where kids will get on Tubi and watch it with commercials because they don't care. Um, so that'll all roll out probably starting in the spring through the end of next year. Um, and our plan is to actually do a few more screenings in the Midwest, in Indiana specifically, where many of us are from. You know, mm-hmm. just to always bring it home to the place we came from and the people who supported us then and continue to and, you know, realize we can you know, fill up uh, a movie theater or two with the film and get a little extra buzz out there online about it. Um, but, yeah, you know, the goal is we've been doing uh, visualizations of it being the number one streaming film on whatever platform it's on. Because it's so hard for a teeny tiny film like this. And we we shot it on an iPhone 10. And my daughter plays my daughter. And my my father was doing the slate, you know, the clapboard before and after takes. Um, and a lot of the days we had maybe a four-person crew. And two or three of us were on the puppet. Because he's got these uh, beautiful, cute, funny animatronic eyes and eyebrows that are controlled by remote control. So you have somebody puppeting, you have somebody doing those, somebody running camera. And so you don't get smaller than a 
a film like this, budget-wise, crew-wise, resources-wise, but when you have a bunch of very passionate, talented um, actors in particular and uh, other artists around who just rallied to the cause because they they all believe in each other, they love each other, believe in each other, and that if we all get together and do something like this, that despite the incredible odds, it can get a distributor, it can premiere at the Austin Film Festival, and, you know, maybe in April, you and your family can turn it on in the living room and all enjoy it together. Yeah. Yeah. So many people don't realize what goes into the making of a film, let alone like the distribution process. Right. And just the the making. And um, I think back, I mean, I miss very much miss those days. Um, we moved about four years ago um, from Scranton, Pennsylvania area to now where we're at in Asheville. Um, and other than, you know, the commercial work that we've been doing and, um, the creative birth announcement that my husband and I did <laughs> last year, which was like so fun. And, um, the film life, uh, I miss it dearly. Right. Mm -hmm. And exactly yeah. what you said. It's like very much like everybody working together and it's almost, I, I like to describe it as like a summer camp kind of feeling for people who don't know or haven't been on a, on a film set. Like you start off like not knowing anybody, but by the end of it, you're just like so sad that like everything's like coming to an end, but then you get like this film out of it and going to, like you said, you know, Austin film festival, and you're going to go back to Indiana and, your hometown and premiere and do a little like opening thing there. And it's just such a fun little world filmmaking is now this journey was very much a family affair. You mentioned your daughter plays your daughter in it. Um, your dad doing the slate. How has that been, um, being in this world of filmmaking and acting and, um, your wife's career as well? Like, you guys are in the film industry in in this world. Um, how is that navigating parenthood and um, all things? Dive in, discuss. <laughs> well, despite living out here for 23 years, and I should shout out my sister, Cotty, and brother-in-law, Christian, who were also instrumental in the production of the film. Christian was there every day doing whatever was required production sound putting ND filters on our windows so they weren't blown out. Um, but, you know, I've lived in L.A. for 23 years. But for an occasional few days where, say, I get a part on a big TV show and I'm on a big set and there's big stars there, I still at this point don't feel like I've ever really been a part of Hollywood nor really enmeshed, immersed or even to a large degree accepted or acknowledged by the industry. I very much lived on the margins making these films with my dear friends and, you know, now family. This is the first time, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, my, my sister and uh, brother-in-law, uh, dad, mom with my previous film, um, previous films really, going back to childhood, have always been, uh, you know, involved. But I guess getting my daughter in a major role on screen. Well, see, I forget even in my last movie, she was three months old and she played a part yeah. in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that's 
I mean, don't get me wrong, um, being on a, a big set and it's like, oh man, I'm going to get paid for this and millions of people are going to see it. I love it. And when I'm there, I really feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I sure wish um, that had happened a lot more over the years. But to kind of be here in my garage, um, whether it be working on one of our own films or, or doing this podcast, which we might talk about later, um, you know, playing music, you know, always just still, you know, writing scripts. I've just had to figure out how to to create and be creative and productive without anybody in L.A. outside of my dearest friends even knowing I exist. Mm. Um, so when it comes to parenthood, I've had lots of time for that. Like I've been able to, you know, I haven't spent weeks or months away from my family. I, I'm pretty much there every morning and every night. Um, and you know, my wife, she's starting to travel more now. She's, she's been working for Netflix for the last couple of years, um, and doing great. So that's why there's more travel now, but you know, usually it's every morning. She takes the kids to school every afternoon. I pick them up, um, you know, a, a, a few evenings, uh, a week, usually we could all be together, whether it's eating and or watching some TV together as the kids get older and they get more into their own tech, it, it, mm -hmm. it, it takes a more concerted effort. Um, but yeah, you know, I feel like we've talked about it before. If, if I were to get on a, a TV show for a while and have to go to Canada for three or four months, like we're ready for that. We want to put it out to the universe that we're ready for that. But the fact that my daughter at 13 and my son at nine have pretty much grown up in L.A. with two parents in the industry and been able to spend time with both of us and each other every day for their entire lives. And, you know, forget about it with the lockdown and with COVID. I mean, it was it was the four of us all together all day for like a year and a half straight. So, um, yeah, I feel in, in a lot of ways so grateful for that you know if i'd been on the other side of the world for half of their childhoods i probably would have really regretted that um so yeah that's you know we'll we'll see what the next 10 years holds but that's you know it's been a pretty normal life i think as as people outside of the industry would be like oh yeah everybody gets up goes off to school and work comes back together mm -hmm. at the end of the day yeah i mean it's a very different lifestyle right because when you're on when you're on a film set whether you know it's your own film um or you know a big production let's say create like in canada you mentioned and you're gone for three or four months it is they're long days they're long days um it's not like oh you punch in at nine you're you're out by five kind of typical thing um I mean, I think the longest I've had 16 hour days, I've had 22 hour days, you know, working on things and people are just like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, like the one day, uh, one was a, a 16 hour one. It was like 4 a.m. And I'm like tired and I'm doing steady cam, Right. And like, mm. <laughs> I'm exhausted and I'm like, oh, I know this is going to be the last scene. And I just remember thinking like, I love this. Like, Am I tired? Yeah, but I don't feel tired because you have this love of it, right? Totally. Now, have totally. 
Yeah. Have your children expressed um, a love in the industry as well? You meant, you know, your daughter's in um, this movie with you. Um, does she want to do more acting? Um, is there uh, or is she, you know, into another part of the filmmaking process? Do they um, express any interest in the industry as a whole? Well, it's interesting because those conversations are are coming more sharply into focus with mm-hmm. her as she's in eighth grade and in LA when you're trying to figure out what high school to go to. It's like, oh, do you want to go to this performing arts high school? Or, you know, it, it starts to lead into co- discussions about where do you want to go to college and what do you want to do as a career? And I think at 13, that's like too much to ask. Like that was around the age I started to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think high school and even college, if somebody chooses to go that route, you know, you should keep your options open to really follow what you're most, most passionate and interested in. But, you know, I think, I, I think my daughter, she enjoys acting, um, but she sees it's not exactly, um, uh, a career you can count on. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I, I couldn't say where it's going to go for her, but I think it's more likely she doesn't get involved in the industry, at least in a capacity like mine, uh, you know, freelance production, acting, you know, more, more gig to gig. Um, I think she sees the stability. My wife worked for E entertainment slash NBC universal for 20 years and then moved over to, to Netflix and she she has this very steady, you know, nine to five with benefits type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my daughter just seems to be a little bit more pragmatic, but she's talking about stuff like pre-med or pre-law or stuff oh. like that. So I think it's yeah. with anything else, you just kind of have to encourage wherever their interest and passion is and expect that to change in the coming mm-hmm. years. And I I think my son, you know, the last career I think he mentioned wanting to have was being a cryptozoologist. So, you know, he can uh, study Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. I expect that will probably, uh, he hasn't brought it up in a while. That may change. Um, But he's certainly in in a lot of ways, I think, you know, both, they're both quite talented. Um, And my wife was a great singer and actor before she decided to, to go behind the scenes, if you will. So who knows with him, maybe, maybe he'll catch the bug, have the fever like dear old dad. Um, but it's really, you know, it's, I, I don't expect to know with either of them what that thing is, but just to sort of say, keep looking for the thing that you Mm -hmm. wake up every, every day excited to go do. Yeah. I think it's so important to teach that to children about passion, about um, feeding into your creativity and what you love. Um, you know, you mentioned around that eight, that eighth grade age is when you were like doing all the things. And I'm like, yeah, that's when like seventh grade, I had taken my aunt's video camera and started making movies um, and started like writing scripts and starting to do all the things. But then also ER was really big. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was it. Like I was, I was around 11 or 12 and I loved playing like, soldier or or cop or whatever it was 
and pretending like I was dying. And I was like, you know what? I don't actually want to like kill or be killed. Yeah. But like, it's fun to pretend. Pretend, and I do like this, yeah. This acting thing. So I guess I'll just like to 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 pretend to be doing that stuff. Yeah. And I like thought like, oh, it was a whether it was ER, I wanted to be a doctor. I remember seeing Twister and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be a tornado chaser. Um, was a was another thing. I mean, I've always also wanted to secretly be uh an archaeologist like Indiana Jones. Totally. Um, I think that was my dream from like a very young age, and I love it still and have this like passion for western civilization and archaeology as a whole and maybe in a past life that was also a thing but i also think like well i could pretend uh, you know make stories up create you know these little skits or or things that i and i i, I think that's the beauty of having that creative mindset um and so important to you teach my son this um mm-hmm. and you know lead by example which you are very much doing and you're bringing your family on on sets with you and uh incorporating that like you said you bought this puppet on etsy and to play with and entertain and one thing led to another and here's this film um from it uh and its own entity and it's and it's gonna grow and uh everything um now you mentioned a podcast, right? Let's yes. circle back to that because you're also in this podcasting world. You're all things creative, right? You're you're not just you know actor filmmaker. You're musician. You're podcaster. You know what else do you got going on? Talk about this podcast. <laughs> yeah, the podcast was you know my wife her she does unscripted casting and she's you know for her entire career just met with all these talented people from all walks of life, whether it be chefs or athletes or comedians, you know, actors traditionally sometimes. Um, and you know, five, six years ago, she was like, you got to do a podcast. Everybody's doing a podcast. You got to do a podcast. And I'm like, ah, do I really need to do one more thing? Because I think it's a blessing and a curse, the multi hyphenate and that we could have the several hour discussion on the pros and cons of focusing on one craft, one discipline or, or doing it all. Um, but you know, she, she doesn't give me advice that often and she'd harped on that. And my buddy, Eric, who we went to college together, um, he and I just share this deep, probably too deep passion for our alma mater's basketball team, the Indiana university Hoosiers. And it was just consuming so much of our life over text, just fighting with each other of what was wrong (laughs) with the team. I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's once a week come over after a game, we'll sit in this garage and we'll yell at each other that way. And that it will really compartmentalize and yeah. limit the amount of, of time and anger we're, we're using on this subject. Um, but he's this incredible producer. He's the showrunner of Carpool Karaoke and has run, won like five Emmys in a row. And wow. within a few episodes, he just turned his incredible producing talent and drive into this podcast and pretty quickly we were interviewing some of the biggest legends to ever play at indiana university which got us a following and a partnership with the biggest website for iu sports and you know one thing led to another and now we go back several times a year and once a year we throw a huge long weekend event with a fantasy camp and a golf outing and and um you know it it 250 plus episodes in it's um become 
you know, in a given week, it might be three, four, five hours of my life. Other times it will consume five, six days at a time. Um, and I think, you know, there's been several good things about it, uh, a steady income, um, which is nice and not something mm-hmm. I've really been used to in my career. Uh, more importantly, I think is the community it brought us into and, and that we've kind of helped create even and galvanize where you've got a million alum from Indiana University and many, many, many thousands are super into the basketball team. So we'll go back to our college and instead of just wandering around like it used to be, I'm like, oh, I used to go to class there. Let's go eat there. That place was nice. Now we know so many people back there inside and outside of the the basketball program um, and, and, you know, new friends, old friends, and even, and, and, and sort of, I guess in part because of the podcast, but also because, um, I'd been a guest speaker that there's a class, several classes that IU has in LA where students come out from LA for the semester, they do internships and they take these classes at the, e- in the evening. So between being a guest for one of these classes a few times and this podcast, I I'm now like an adjunct instructor and co-teach this class out here for undergrads who are thinking about coming out to the entertainment industry. So it's been a pretty crazy journey five years in, um, just what, what all fruit that has bared. And it really has come down to having two, three hour discussions with legendary players or people like Mark Cuban who went to IU um, or, or, you know, some big names in college basketball uh, like Jay Billis or Jeff Van Gundy, who does a lot of NBA stuff, but it's just become this completely unexpected path that, you know, if we were talking about realizing at 11 or 12, Oh, I want to be an actor. Well, it was broader than that. Then I thought maybe I wanted to be on sports center and I was doing sports broadcasting and interviews in high school and going to IU or, or going to Colts games and interviewing players. But in college, I was like, Nope, I'm going into acting and filmmaking. And then 20 years later, this podcast starts and, and here I am doing that again too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all like, those as they say, like, if you, you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And we totally. mentioned having those like long days on set or something, but it doesn't feel like work and it doesn't feel like work to finagle, you know, as we, before we started this podcast, you know, my husband and I trying to figure out the, the situation with the delay and whether it was the cord and, and all these things. And it doesn't seem like hassle, like where, maybe someone who didn't love this would have been like, I'm done. I'm done. Like (laughs) I'm walking away from this. Um, but like to have that incorporate what you do into what you do, what you love to do into what you do is just so profound. And it leads to better outcomes when you do, when you have that love and you have that passion behind something. You know, so with starting your podcast and, you know, your wife saying like, you should, you know, do this podcast and you being like, ah, I don't know. And I thought that so often, like I, you know, producing podcasts for, for other people. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do a podcast one day. And this was like five years ago, then three years ago. And I'm like, I don't know what I would talk about. And like, here I am being like, okay, new mom, 
mom's doing all the things, parents juggling, being creative entrepreneurs. And I'm like, this is it. I need to tell people stories, which is also a, a version of filmmaking that I love to do. Like I loved the documentary style filmmaking. I loved, um, even just doing, um, little web videos for people's businesses because mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, I'm capturing life. I'm telling their stories. And that's what it's all about is like, wow, I really love doing these things. And you have such a passion when you're talking about like sports, this is me. And I'm just like, my eyes are just glossing over. I'm just like, wait, what sports? I like, but the passion is there and it makes me passionate to listen to the podcast because this, because of your passion that's behind it. And now I'm like, wow, I'm more interested in like all these things and like learn about because it's not just you about pa like your passion, you know, it's your friend that, you know, you do this podcast with, but you're bringing in all these guests that are also passionate about the same thing. Um, and you share that love of your town of where you grew up and you, totally. you not only use it in this podcast, but you used it in other areas of your life and continue to love and support the town you grew up in and the community um you had the film um and now i'm blanking on the name of it um little big top yeah little big top <laughs> yeah yeah because you are from uh circus town like you put I you're like i need to do this and like um and it was so great and um i just uh Travis uh bets but Travis as the clown um and I'm like oh this is so this is so great um and I am like not a circus person you know like or have that background but I was are. like wow yeah I'm <laughs> like wow I really want to see this film because of that passion that you put behind the project and when you see that and you put that out into the universe other people want to want it other people want that energy they want to support um, but you do share that love of small town and community, even after leaving and moving to Los Angeles, where, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm never going to see my town again. And I'm going to do this and going to do that. And I think, you know, you and I share that because I love my hometown of dear old Scranton, Pennsylvania so much. And even after when I moved to LA in 2008, 2009, um, I still shared that love of Scranton. Um, well, and I you think sh you should know my family does too, <laughs> to the point that our dog's name is Dundee. Dundee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the for yeah. the for the Dundee uh, Awards for those who who haven't watched The Office yeah. forty times in its entirety, like certainly my wife and daughter have, I have through proxy seen it all several yeah. times. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I I would argue that our our family's probably third favorite town is Scranton. <laughs> and have you ever been to Scranton? We have not. We, no. Uh, some someday. Yeah. We'll have to make a pilgrimage. My <laughs> wife also wants to squeeze Hershey into the equation because of the chocolate love, but Scranton yep. is the priority. Yeah. Well, I will say Hershey is great. It smells wonderful. Um, right. There's rumors that they pump out the smell of chocolate to enhance people to buy. Um, I don't know if it's true, but I will share that if you do the tour, which is a free ride, um, and you learn how chocolate is made, you get a free chocolate bar at the end of the ride. 
So I highly recommend that. Um, we'll and it's not, that. yeah, it's not too, too far from Scranton. I can't maybe like an hour or so we would oh, go there a lot. Yeah. There's great. also the Crayola factory. Okay. Is, okay. Is yeah. out there I mean, and uh Keebler. Um, Ooh, okay. Yeah. All right. And, I'm seeing like um, a road trip. Yeah. And uh, the pretzel company. Um, Wetzel's pretzels. Auntie no, M's. No. Well, Auntie Anne's is from Pennsylvania, but it, I don't. Uh, it's based in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, which is like Lancaster area. Um, but uh, yeah, Scranton, whenever I say that, people are like, oh, the office. Or yeah. they say like, oh, you're not really. And I'm like, yeah, really. But I have this love and this passion where I talk about it. And I think that's why the show is so was such a success because it was like small town America. Right. But then they had totally. this love of their small town where they talk about the pizza, like they're, mm -hmm. they're fighting of which pizza is best. And like all these things that in reality, like people did in Scranton, like, <laughs> yeah, so, I think it, it's, yeah. it's the same, uh, you know, for us, Indiana folks, that's like parks yeah. and rec which is oh, just yes. like, yeah. so they so nail small town Indiana in that way. And, you know, to circle back to, to little big top and the podcast, it's, you yeah. know, it's about community. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I also have a love for, for history and obviously storytelling and, you know, to be able to combine all those things and, and form a community, not only, you know, within the production itself, but around it. And, and to your point of other people just wanting to support what you're doing because they think it's cool or inspiring. It's yeah. fun, but it, it really, you know, so much of, you know, this Indiana basketball podcast, like we, we don't talk too much about, you know, what's going on on the floor in a given game. It's, it's about stories mm -hmm. and relationships and people and community and, and, and passion and, and good times and bad. So it's all, it's all, you know, whether it's a, uh, a film about a, a clown coming back to his hometown circus or some legendary basketball player talking about his legendary coach. It's, it's, it's all taps into universal stuff. Yeah. Like the, the hero's journey, so to speak, or the mindset behind that. Um, and even your recent film is based on the trailer, right? Like that journey that, you know, it's also a body swap movie, which, um, is, is kind of like, um, uh, I don't want to say like blast from the past, but not a lot of films. Like they used to be really popular in the nineties and, or like late eighties, early nineties. Um, and I think they like came back maybe early, like they like come in droves. Right. But Right. I, I just I'm like, oh, my goodness. Once I learned that, like you're watching the trailer, I'm like, wait, not only is it puppets, not only is it aliens, like you got a body swap situation happening here. Now, is this film, is it um, a, a family film um, or is it like for the kid at heart? How would you describe uh, this film? I would describe it as fun for all ages. Yeah. You know, that was the design going into it. I just. I don't think I have the the mindset to be like, I just want to make this for kids. Like I couldn't make something that I don't think I would enjoy or my friends would enjoy. Um, but certainly being like, but yeah, like kids should definitely be into it too. Um, and so 
I think through the script process and the the rewriting process, um, that that was always the goal. Like we would just love for for young kids, you know, four through twelve to watch it with their cool parents and everybody legitimately think it was fun and funny yeah. and you know full of heart. It's pretty unapologetic in how much heart it has. Um, so when we did the cast and screw, uh, cast and crew friends and family screening in LA, you know, we had even a wider variety than that. We had some teenagers coming out with parents, people in their twenties, grandparents were there. And, and, you know, at this point in my life, I don't go into such things with like much in the way of expectations, mm -hmm. you know, like, let me just not freak out and just try to enjoy that. We get to do this for a couple hours with people we care about. But the 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 look in people's eyes and, you know, the tone of their voices and and of course, the specific things that they were saying, I'm like, this hits like all the quadrants. Like, I, I sincerely believe you're, you know, you're nine year old, you're 14 year old, um, your kid back from college, uh, you guys, uh, your your parents, the grandparents in the equation can all sit there over the holidays and watch this thing and be like, yeah, that was really fun. And everybody, you know, nobody be kind of like, well, let me scroll through my phone because <laughs> this isn't for me. Love the products you're hearing us chat about on the Foxy Mama podcast? Find all the featured items on my personal Amazon shops page at amazon.com slash shop slash the Lindsay Boo. Happy shopping. I mean, it's so great that you're doing this uh, as a family, right? You're, you're showing, you're, you're leading by example. You're showing, hey, be creative, do what you love to do, um, and all things. What kind of advice do you, would you give other parents out there who are in that creative field? Um, you know, I, I just think of how you said it started. Uh, 2018, I think you said you bought the puppet and here it is 2023. So it can take some time, but if you oh, keep yeah. going, you put one foot in front of the other and, and have that, you'll have the outcome. You know, you just have to keep going. What advice would you give other parents, um, other creative entrepreneur parents out there? What's well, that? What do they say? Cheap, fast, and good you can have two of the three so we we made this very cheaply and we think very well but um we we couldn't do it fast so and not to say over the five-year journey um you know really from the time we started in like let's say pre-production we're pushing closer to six years now so it's mm -hmm. going to be over six years from really like hey let's let me write this and make this. It's going to be at least six years for that journey. And oh man, months would go by when nothing was happening. And I was just waiting for shots to come back or cues to come back. And it was, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this faster? Why can't I generate more resources to be able to make this go faster? But I think in part because you know, like, okay, let's do this. Let's start at the start. What do you have access to? What are you, what, what other artists, collaborators, um, locations, gear do you have access to? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, most people have have a phone that can shoot 4K, and some locations they can use. Um, okay, great. And then what are the the other talented, passionate people around you you love to collaborate with and you know you can count on? Great. All right. And maybe that's where you start to conceive your idea, whatever it is, a music video, a movie, you know, any anything you want to do, like, what do I actually have access to where I know I can complete this thing? And, and, you know, right from there, in some ways I've always found, whether it be the, the circus back home or my mom living out in Joshua tree, sort of the environments I was exposed to and had access to, or at least I hoped to, um, could really help narrow what I was going to write about and therefore make, Mm -hmm. um, so that, that instead of like, God, here's a blank page, I could literally start writing anything. It's like, no, I got to write it to this location and to these actors' voices because I know they'll say yes if I write yeah. this for them and propose it to them. And then, and then I think once you you make the leap and you you go into production on whatever it is, at least for me, it's like, well, now I have this responsibility to everybody who got it in the can that. I have to finish it and finish it with the quality that they deserve because they're so talented and so generous with their time. So even if it's taking a year and a half to get all these visual effects done, you know, frame by frame, um, okay, I'll just have to, you know, start a podcast in the meantime to not go crazy and um, try to fill up the days in some other creative, productive way while I'm just never giving up on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, and, and as far as like showing that to your kids, I think, you know, when we found out we got into the Austin Film Festival, I picked up the kids and I told them in the car and I was just like, look, the only reason this is happening is because a small group of people who love each other and believe in each other all showed up because of that love and that shared belief and, and, you know, a love and passion for, for what they do. And that's why we're all connected and have this bond and count on each other in this way. Um, so I, I think, and especially my kids now are getting a little more interested in sports. We'll see how that lasts, but they, they really had not up to recent weeks. So, but that idea of teamwork and being a part of something bigger than yourself um, and look, you, you can be a, a sculptor or a painter. And I think that can be very inspiring to children too, as the way of like expressing your individualism. But in the case of making a movie, it's the ultimate collaborative art where you're bringing in all these different kind of artists to a shared vision. So for them to be able to witness that no matter what they go and do in their life, they'll see, well, you know, dad's passionate about something and and that passion has connected to him to all these other passionate people. And holy cow, we get to go to Austin, you know, and and meet our aunt and and grandpa from Indiana there because they helped us on this too. And 25 other people show up, you know, three states away mm-hmm. um, to celebrate this thing we all did together, not because we wanted to get rich or famous, but because it's just something we love to do with these people. Yeah. They say it was that uh, teamwork makes the dream work. 
<laughs> that phrase has been tossed around in our circle yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it really does. And it is so beautiful to see when you've worked so hard at something and it's taken so long, but you follow through and you keep going and there it is, right? You're sitting in the seat, Austin Film Festival, and then boom, the opening comes on like that's it's just a surreal feeling when you when you have that um and it's you know they whether it's film or you know storytelling in general they always say like oh write what you know start with what you know start with who you know start with areas like um and it just it's the art of asking as well i like to to you know say that um you know recently uh we had um, a film shoot for a web video to showcase, um, creative efforts. And it's kind of like Reiki meets, um, physical therapy, right? And this company, they, or this team of individuals want to showcase that. And I had this location set and everything. And then the very, you know, two days prior, they're like, you can't use this location. And I'm like, I don't, I'm scrambling. I'm like, all right, who do I know? What do, what areas do I, you know, have here? What do I have in front of me? You know, I'm asking, sending text messages. I'm like, Hey, do you have a location? This is the ideal we're looking for. Um, and it was that art of asking and putting out there and we got an even better location than we had even anticipated and even planned. And it worked out, you know, passionately. And I could have just said, Hey, let's reschedule the shoot guys. This isn't going to work out, but it's like that determination and that grit to keep going and mm -hmm. to keep putting yourself out there. And I honestly believe when you do that, the universe and everything just like conspires for you to be like here, you know, and you might mm -hmm. have rough seas, you might have yeah, totally. some rocky weather and rocky roads coming, but it's all teaching you a lesson because, you know, using the Austin film that you sit down and you're just like, we did it. There it is. There it is. So what's that? Yeah. Now you mentioned the distribution process and working mm -hmm. and filling out all the, the paperwork. Are you going to be doing any more festivals coming up or? Yeah, I I don't think so. I'm going to get on film freeway and just see, mm -hmm. is there something I can sneak in a deadline for now? That's a yeah. decent festival that might, um, you know, screen around the time of the release. Cause I, you know, I only submit it to two festivals because I just, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't really feel like film festivals necessarily are worth the the time and money because my last two films, I mean, the first one premiered at a big festival back in Indiana. Uh, the second one came close, but didn't get into a couple of dream festivals. I was like, I don't know, but we, we got distribution for both. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. there's a bunch of films that get into these film festivals that never get distribution. So, uh, you know what I, I felt, I did miss from that aspect was uh, sharing it with an audience in a darkened theater on a big screen and, you yeah. know, hearing the reactions. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. You know, it's especially in the streaming age. So I think it's very valid to go about trying to get into festivals for that experience um, for you and the audience, but with such limited resources, it's kind of like, ah, let's, let's just try to get this out there as quickly as we can. And then do, you know, we did a handful of screenings in major cities for the last film to help kind of build some hype for it, to get some reviews. 
Um, and so the time and money went into that instead of festivals. So with this one, it was like world premiere at Austin. We're not going to beat that. We'll do some screenings back home where we know there's going to be big audiences for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, uh, it was one of our actors, Sarah Lassay, who's just a wonderful human being as well as actor. And she's like, you know, Ward, um, just so you know, I'm visualizing this being the number one streaming film on, on, uh, uh, whatever platform it goes onto. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to do that too. And I asked my, my children and wife to do that too, to your point of like putting it out to the universe. And my first two films, basically nobody saw, um, one was pre-streaming and, uh, the company we sold it to went under very quickly. And then the other film just kind of got buried on Amazon prime where nobody could find it unless they were specifically looking for that film title but rather than just accept that fate again, it's like, okay, let's try to put it out there in a very, you know, very real way in our mind's eye and see if we can't manifest it. Um, do a little yeah. meta- metaphysical engineering, as my mom would say. Um, and then, and then, yeah, at a certain point, the film's got to do the work itself, right? Yeah. You can do so much, especially with really limited resources as far as marketing and promotions go. And we don't, we have an incredible cast that if you go to IMDb and look up the work they've done, you'd been like, oh my God, look, they've been in all these amazing film and television yeah. shows. They're world-class actors. None of them have gotten that role or that project that's made them a household name, but they're all incredibly qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, at a certain point, it's just got to be like, all right, we've done all this like hustling we can and and hopefully it just catches fire. And, you know, not only for the sake of wanting as many people as possible to see this thing we poured our hearts into um, and for them to enjoy it, because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, (laughs) like along with making the thing together, the thing we really like is people having 90 minutes of a good time in their life because of what we did five years ago, that'd be super cool. But heaven forbid it allows us to actually do the next thing with a little more help. You know, it's really hard to make a movie this way. And I did not have a good time making it at all. I was so miserable. I don't think it affected the other people too much, but, you know, working at this scale with the expectations I have for how good it needs to be, you know, it's, it's, it's a great fault of mine that I couldn't just trust the people around me and myself. Um, so I'd like to go back to little big top days where we had like a 25 person crew and I could really relax and enjoy mm-hmm. myself and, and hopefully help make it an even better film and experience for people around it. But, um, I guess that would lead to, in terms of the next thing is I'm my first meeting on this project. It was in 2014 and I'm about two years into production on a music documentary slash album of Cole Porter songs. He is from my hometown and Cole Porter, you know, great American songwriter. Everybody knows his songs. They don't just necessarily know they're his songs, but if you've listened to Frank Sinatra, Miles Davis, or Ella Fitzgerald, you know, these songs. Um, and what's beautiful about a documentary, I have, I have certainly way more financing, not that much, but way more Mm -hmm. than we had for Proxima B. And because it's a documentary, it's not about, well, I have this vision and this is how I wrote it and storyboarded it. 
it's like, well, let's just go into a studio with one of my favorite artists in the world and have a couple guys with cameras who really know what they're doing and just observe them creating their own version of this amazing song. So to me, that is could not have been a more polar opposite experience and continues to be of just, all right, I'm just going to kind of sit back and look at the monitors here and, okay, get yeah. a little closer there, come around here for this shot. It's, uh, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm having a much better time with that. Um, but I'm also questioning why has this taken me now pushing a decade to get done? And it might go to your point of the art of asking. I have an incredible, uh, unwillingness to ask people for money, even people who have it, it's, or have mm -hmm. access to it. I'm just like, have such a phobia aversion fear of it i don't i don't know why but it certainly made things more difficult um on various projects but at least with this one up to this point um we've had enough to do what we're doing and so it just like yeah and and now i have enough people on this crew that i don't have to both you know work a puppet move some lights around, make sure the sound's okay, yeah. and um, check and make sure that lunch is going to be here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, you were, you know, you wrote, direct, you're working the puppet. You were, like you said, you're making sure food is, it, when you have like a smaller film like that, you're wearing multiple hats and those long days can really seem long. Um, and, uh, but here it is, it's there. Um, and totally worth it. Totally yeah. worth it. <laughs> I, I can't imagine like I, Austin film festival. That's big. That's big. Um, and, um, I look forward to streaming it. Uh, and I think putting that like out into the universe and saying like, it's going to be streamed. It's going to be the most streamed film and hit number one and do all these things. Um, and they say like writing it down. Mm. Um, and I will say that it does work. I think it's like three, six, nine method, um, which I've never, that. yeah, I've never done that. There's like books that you could buy the three, six, nine method, but I did this thing. Um, the year before, uh, my son was born and conceiving my son and all the things I just kept writing things that I wanted. I made this paragraph and I was just like, I will hit, I will make 10 K every month. Just myself. I will become a mom and be the best mom ever. Like, and I just kept writing the same paragraph over and over and over again mm -hmm. until I filled my book. And the goal was like 500 to write at 500. And I, I wrote it more than 500 times because I wrote it like filled the page, whether it was 10 times on one page or whatever. And the next day I would do it and, and I kept doing it. Um, and here it is, like I've hit all those goals. And I just, because it was just, I'm putting that pen to paper. I'm putting that determination. I'm going to do all the things that I set out to do and I'm not going to give up. Um, and yeah, it's just, that determination and, and grit and it just boils down to doing that. And that's what this, your film is, is at its core really ha made it happen. That's all of your films. And like you mentioned, like, Oh, no one saw it. Like I, I enjoyed dust up. Like, I'm sorry. Like that was good. Oh, thank you. Thank 
<laughs> that was really good. It's kind of like um like a desert uh what's the word I'm like blanking on the style of film like I think the I most know. common thing people ended up saying like uh, a grindhouse neo grindhouse. Thank you. Yeah. Grindhouse yeah. Western. Yeah. I love grindhouse. I love Western. And, um, it was, there was like action and there was like these gore, like boom, gore type scenes. And it was good. It was, you know, not family film that, no, no not at all. <laughs> you no, know, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, I enjoy watching, all of the success that comes your way um, and the success that will continue uh, to come your way. So where can our listeners find out more information about your films and where to find you, you know, all the, all the socials lay it on Um, them. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think probably the, the thing that will be most up to date is our Instagram at invaders from Proxima B just just like the title of the film mm-hmm. um and then there's the website invaders from proxima b.com you can punch your email in there and we'll send you out updates that way um i'm at ward roberts got in early on the ig so <laughs> it's just my name at ward roberts i don't post yeah. too much but i'm i'm we'll be better about it as we get close to the release of this film and yeah i mean the the cole porter project we've got uh, the sites, I probably should update it before you put this out, but you know, it's, it's relatively updated and that's the coalporterproject.com. Um, should be done filming that by June of next year, have it finished by the end of next year and, and, you know, um, get that, get that out into the world too. But I think, you know, I, I, I think what I would leave people with is something I have told these college students in one of our classes, which is. A lot of times the job or or of the career um is is just not giving up. Like there's some days, a lot of days, where I don't have anything specifically I have to do or anybody else is expecting me to do. And and so you self-generate some of that stuff. For sure. A lot of it, you just sit down and be like, well, this is what I'm going to do today. And hopefully it'll help finish this or start that or keep this thing going. But there's other days where it's just in your mind to be like, I'm still doing it. I'm sticking with it. I'm not giving up. I don't have anything to do today, but I'm not giving up. That's been such a huge part of the last 23 years for me that wherever you're at in life, especially with the little kids, like mine are starting to get old enough now where, yeah, they've got a lot of things they need to be at or whatever, but you start to get some of your own autonomy back as they get their own. But, you know, I, I'd say, especially in those early days of the babies and the toddlers, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my gosh, is this completely consuming me? Um, and it can, and it will, but to just be like, yeah, but I'm, I'm still an artist. I'm still a creative. And, um, this is, wow. What, what better life experience than parenthood to draw from and to grow from and to someday express in my work. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Foxy Mama. I usually end with like, and thanks for being a Foxy Mama, but thanks for being a Foxy Daddy. 
my my pleasure. Thank you so much for I I believe am I the first foxy daddy? You are the first foxy daddy. <laughs> yes, that is a great honor. Unless, Thank you. Yeah, unless you know my husband, who technically is the foxy daddy, because my son's name is Fox, is the is his middle name. So that's the the reasoning behind Foxy Mama, um, Fox like Fox Mulder. Um. Yes, that's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. The Foxy Mama podcast is here to entertain and share general insights. Our content is not a substitute for personalized advice from professionals like financial advisors, physicians, or therapists. So enjoy the Foxy vibes, but consult the superheroes for personalized advice.